0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, folks, I'm going to talk a little fast on today's show, and frankly, I'm not sure that you guys really want to know why, but I'll do my best to toe dance around it. Both of my children, not one, actually all three in sort of the craziest twist of all, the third one being the dog. Uh have all had things returned from whence they came. Um, Some more recently than others, but it's a hellscape in the Vesper's household right now, and it's not a big home. We're in a two-bedroom apartment in West LA, so protect me, sweet door. Protect me, sweet door. Gosh, I hope that door can protect me. My wife, God love her, is uh, sitting out there. She's uh, stayed home from work today. Does not have it yet, but feels somewhat inevitable at this point. And uh, we'll, you know, do what we got to do around here, I guess. Anyway, welcome to the show. It's Fantasy NBA Today. I say that because I don't want anybody to be surprised when we kind of blitz our way through yesterday's recap and a look ahead at today's very large card. I am hoping to have time for a 20-25 minute buy low show in the afternoon today. Pacific time, I should say, afternoon Pacific time, since it's already there, uh, Eastern time. But again, everything's going to have to just kind of get played by ear a little bit. I'm also demoing a new thing for those that are watching instead of listening. Um, StreamYard is what we use to put these things out on into the universe. I know that if I learned OBS Studio, I think our content would be probably better looking. Uh, but StreamYard saves me a lot of time, which does generally is my rate-limiting step. Uh, I am doing a seven-day trial uh, that allows me to use a slightly higher resolution. Curious to see if anything looks different on your end. If you think this show looks different in any way, let me know. If it looks exactly the same, then obviously, no reason to continue that nonsense. Um, And I think we can probably dive into it. First things first, find me on social over at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Yesterday was a uh, six-gamer so not an intensely deep one, but we've got some stuff to go over. So let's begin that now. Chicago, Philadelphia. That was the uh, we call it the opener yesterday. Philly had the early game at four o'clock Pacific time, and they beat the snot out of the Bulls. This game was not as close as the thirteen-point final score would indicate, as evidenced by the fact that uh, most of the Bulls played in the sort of twenty-eight-minute range. Tyrese Maxey at only 29 minutes, a Nick Nurse player playing only 29 minutes tells you a game is over very early. As far as fantasy stuff goes, not really much on the Philadelphia side. Embiid is back and triple-doubled, and he and Shea are fighting for that number-one spot in fantasy sports, but then everything else is kind of where you'd expect it. Kelly Oubre figures to have a good game here and there. This one was with uh, without, I should say, De'Anthony Melton. Um, So that allowed Oubre to continue to start even with Nick Batum back in the mix. And then he went five for eight shooting. So it's not like he had a massive truckload of usage heaped onto him. He just sort of stepped into Melton's shoes and did almost exactly what Melton does, which, you know, we know enough about Oubre's fantasy game to say, okay, like, yeah, he does get some steals. He's not Melton level there. He'll hit some threes. He is Melton level there. Generally scores better. Um, what does Oubre become when Melton and Batum are both in and starting? It seems like probably a schedule play or kind of a fill-in guy when one of the big usage dudes is out. Uh, but those guys weren't out in this game, and he happened to come through anyway. Would I start Oubre and Roto? No. Would I start him in head-to-head? Probably. As long as I knew somebody was out, that becomes a much easier decision to make. As far as the Bulls go, uh, Kobe White, Got hurt mid ball game. He basically finished it out. Patrick Williams got hurt mid ball game and didn't finish it out. Kobe, I think, kind of close to finishing it out, but the game was over at early enough pace. He has slowed. We've talked about this a couple times on the show considerably here over the last week and a half after his extraordinarily hot run. We also got word yesterday that Zach Levine is not that far from coming back. It's why uh, I had him on the buy low board. Not last, I guess it would be last week, almost eight days ago. I think we did that by low, and I said, "Hey, if you want to take a shot on Zach Levine, I think he's at, I think he's coming back soon." Bradley Beal was kind of that same type of deal where people were so frustrated and annoyed by it that you could get these players with fantasy and reality pedigree at a huge discount. I think some people probably still missed the Zach Levine news because it wasn't like a big thing. It was a Billy Donovan presser quote where it was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, Levine, you know he's." He's playing with Windy City, and he got a good practice in kind of thing, so they're hoping to have him back in the next week. I have to admit, I am pretty surprised that it sounds like Levine is going to play another game for the Bulls, or maybe he's, like, as soon as he gets healthy, he gets shipped off somewhere. I don't know. But certainly, with Chicago playing better lately, they're not 15-20. and 20. They are ahead of the Hawks for the 10 seed. You know, congratulations, I guess, but seems like if he's healthy, they'll probably let him fly. Meantime, if Patrick Williams has to miss a game or if Kobe White misses a game, Io DeSumo moves from, you know, decent minutes guy, but not a ton of production to probably enough production on top of the minutes. Because usually he's a guy where it's like, oh, you know, he got 28 minutes, but he didn't really get to do all that much with it. And you saw yesterday he took 14 shots in his 32, 31 and a half minutes. No assists. That's not a great sign. Uh, but the Bulls were terrible. They shot 38.5%. Nobody really had any assists other than Dalen Terry. Uh, if one of these guys misses a game, White, Williams, whatever, Desunmo, I think, would be a pretty reasonable fill-in play. And yes, Alex Caruso, he's still a play. I know this wasn't a good ball game, but look, if it's not close, they're not going to push him. That's the, the Caruso rule. The rule New Orleans blew out a Brooklyn team that's having all kinds of problems right now. Cam Johnson at least kind of survived this onslaught. Nobody else did. Mikael Bridges has been very bad, kind of from the outset this year. But the pieces right now just don't fit. I don't know if you want to point to the Ben Simmons absence. I still don't know that we ever see Ben Simmons play basketball again, but, you know, whatever. I also brought up the fact that I was worried about Spencer Dinwiddie a couple weeks ago. Um, this is your sort of bottoming out kind of ball game, which is, I think people, when I talk about these things on the pod, they're like, oh, yeah, Dan, you're taking a victory lap. I'm not actually. I think this is potentially a buy opportunity on Dinwiddie. Not that I would. I'm not going out of my way for him. He's ranked outside the top 150 on the season in 31 and a half minutes ball game. And that's like, we've talked about this. Not a great foul shooter. He's not a good field goal percent guy. He doesn't do much besides assist and score. And typically those two things are not enough. We've seen Dennis Schroeder do it at sort of a, a much better clip this season, but this is why I was worried because I'm a nine cat guy. Bridges is the easier buy low rec on this team. Uh, at some point he's just going to be like, this is stupid and I'm going to go do some more stuff. Um, he looks tired. Team looks disinterested. They are just getting smoked early and often. And you kind of figure something's going to pop here. I don't know what it's going to be, but something's going to pop. And you kind of want to just be ready for whatever that is. As far as, like, what are you doing tonight with that information? See if you can go get bridges for, like, a top 55, top 60 kind of guy. Because, honestly, you might be able to right now. For New Orleans, they put this one away early. So, basically, the analysis here is kind of don't pay attention to this box score, other than one key thing. And that one key thing is that Herb Jones is good when Trey Murphy is out. It's almost been a one-to-one correlation to this point. Pretty damn close. Almost as close as you can get in fantasy for wing players, non-center, non-point guard types. So when Trey Murphy comes back, you probably begin to worry about Herb again. When he's out, Herb's a go. And it, I think it kind of solidifies him as an injury replacement and a very good one, mind you. You know, injury replacement two-burger kind of guy. But he was bad for like nine, ten games in a row when Trey Murphy was in there. And then Trey went down and Herb was magically, it's not magic, had, I think, two good ballgames straight now. Anywho. Memphis beats San Antonio, 106-98. Julian Champagny, 12 points, four boards to assist, a steal, three three three-pointers, but only 22 minutes. It's just, again, you know, he's not going to get to do enough nightly. There's, I am intrigued slightly by Champagny in the starting lineup, but his minutes are not guaranteed. The Spurs are uh, not that covertly tanking the crap out of this season. Now, Banyama's on a minutes cap, about 25 to 26-ish minutes per ball game, He's not playing in back-to-back. He's still going to put up nice numbers. You saw it here. 20.7 boards, four blocks. Still good for Victor. Uh, but overall, you know, I—I I, nobody wants him only playing 24 minutes. He can go harder in them. I guess that's a good thing. But, like, it's going to hurt rebounds. It's ultimately going to hurt defensive stats. And... There anything you can do about it besides ride it out. still think he's fun, though. You guys know my feeling on the rest of these guys. Anytime that Devin Vassell has a big ball game, you try to sell high. Kelton Johnson, if he has a big game, you try to sell high. Jeremy Sohan, if he has a big game, you probably didn't had him, have him because he's been so bad. That's the Spurs. In fact, I think is Weminyama the only Spur inside the top 100 now? Keldon Johnson has fallen outside of it to 104. Um, you just, eventually you knew the percentages were going to catch up there. Vassell is where am I looking at total rank or per game? Devin Vassell is, oh, look, he's inside the top 75. He had a few good ones in a row. Phew. Phew. Couple of them. That's fortunate. I think I missed a game or I think I missed a good one or two from Vassell when I was in Yosemite. The, uh, the lower Wembenyama minutes are probably a good thing. For Vassell and Keldon Johnson because it kind of guarantees they'll have enough to do on a night-to-night basis. I am somewhat curious what Zach Collins' role is gonna look like when he comes back. Is he gonna play the other, you know, 24 center minutes? Is that his entire job? Will there be any time where those two guys coexist? I'm not I don't think you need to roster Zach Collins. It's not at all what I'm saying. I just think that there's maybe an outside shot that he could have value. Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Memphis side. Uh, I mean, Luke Kennard is making a case to be a three-point streamer, but they're kind of going easy on his legs, so probably not. Santi Aldama had his first decent ball game in about three weeks, so you can ignore that. I guess the good news here... <laughs> So everything always ends up as, like, the great leveling in life is undefeated. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr., after being, like, number 100 after a month, is, I think he worked himself up into the, what was I looking at yesterday? I got a weird board going. I think he's at, like, number 50-something now. So it slowly works its way up. He's obviously been a lot better the last month. John Morant has had his massive couple of games to start the year, and then, The magic of 9-cat kicks in, and he's back down to number 81. Points league, mega stud. It's just the way things go. I'm not picking up Bismarck Biombo. We've been down this road way too many times for you to even ask about that. Probably the most important thing on the Memphis side is that Marcus Smart played 30 minutes and did nothing. Five points, two boards, three assists. If you guys remember, he was around 120 before he got hurt, and that was John Morant when Ja was out. Now Jaws back, so you figure Smart's offensive role is going to be smaller. The question is, basically, can he do enough in steals, in assists, and hopefully get those turnovers down to kind of squeeze inside the top 100? But he's still averaging three turnovers a game, and that's frankly just way too many for somebody who's not racking up assists. Assists to turnover ratio of like one point three to one. Not good enough, I say. Hell of a game! Thunder beat the Celtics one twenty seven one twenty three. That's a fun one. Kristaps Porzingis is putting up normal Porzingis numbers despite playing alongside two high usage juggernauts. He's just even more efficient now, somehow, and he's number seventeen again somehow. Good for KP. He's having a good year. Derek White's having a good year. Tatum had a big ball game here. Uh, pushed his way back up to number twenty-eight. Which I mean, obviously, when he was like number thirty-five, we had him on the by low board, which is the most obvious call in the history of mankind. Jalen Brown was bad in this one. Um, there's not much to talk about on the Celtics. Al Horford had five blocks, but again, he's a guy you play when somebody's out because then he gets those starters minutes. For the Thunder, Shea just keeps on trucking, man. He missed a couple of free throws in this game, which is like, oh no, is the sky falling? Nah, sky's fine. Only one steal, though. I know, we can wag our finger at him. One steal? What happened? It's just like the parent that sees the kid get a 97 on the exam and goes, yeah, but what happened to these three? What I would like to know is what is Jalen Williams ranked now? 66, friends! That was another really easy buy low. You knew things would start to come around for him. like Because he looked good. The only thing that was off was the defensive stats, right? And they're starting to creep back up now. He's up to 1.5 combined defensive stats. If he gets that up to 2 by the end of the season, you're talking about a guy in the 40s. Hopefully you bought low on him when he was ranked at, like, 95. Someone asked me today if I thought Josh Giddey was coming around. I don't, actually. Not necessarily because he's not having an okay, like, couple-game stretch, but mostly just because his game doesn't translate to 9-cat all that well. Field goal percent's not very good. Free throw's a little better. Turnovers are kind of meh. Doesn't get much in the way of defensive stats. Doesn't shoot the three. So you're talking about a point guard who rebounds and passes a little bit. It's like if you got Draymond Green at point, but without any defensive numbers. It just doesn't translate all that well. Points leagues, yes, he's more interesting there. 9-cat, there's just sort of almost no way he gets to where folks wanted him to be. Warriors beat the Magic. Uh, Steph Curry beat the Magic. Maybe I should clarify. Steph busting out of his slump. He had fallen outside the top twenty on a per game basis, sort of quietly. Steals have dropped for Steph last couple of seasons. I think some of that's just having to shoulder a larger offensive load. Three pointers had dropped under five per ball, per ball game, thanks to a field goal percent slump. But and he only had four in this ball game for whatever that's worth. But he got some steals. He did it on good percentages. Actually missed some free throws, uh, but there was never really a reason to worry about Steph. Someone actually dropped into my Twitter mentions to ask. Uh, someone actually dropped into my Twitter mentions to ask if uh, if Steph was washed. I was like, well, I don't know. Did you watch like the first seven weeks of the year before he shot poorly for four games or whatever it was? Nah, man, we have this thing. And I don't know if, like, I think some of it is a little tongue-in-cheek where we're, like, trying to figure out when a guy is officially cooked. N- no one actually thinks that Steph is cooked. He's unreal, man. He still does things that no one else can do. I know guys get older. It's a whole thing. At some point, everybody's going to hit that marker. But even the greatest go through little shooting slumps, and then they tend to bust out the other side with a few games in a row where they shoot. You know, 12 for 20, and all of them are three-pointers or something like that. So no, no reason to worry there. He was a buy low. He'll be fine. As far as the rest of this ballgame goes, um, Jonathan Kaminga had a better one. I still find him kind of hard to deploy on the Roto side because you you don't really know when the numbers are going to be good for two games in a row or even one game in a row. He's outside the top 160 over the last week because turnovers are high. Uh, field goal and free throw percent are not positives. He's not hitting any threes, it's 15 points and seven rebounds. It's fine. Like that works again, points league stuff and head to head. If you're not necessarily desperately trying to win free throws or whatever, uh, or turnovers, like all these things help him on the head to head side that on Roto, you're like, ah, you know what? That crap is going to count against me for the whole damn year. So head to head for me, Kaminga over Roto, um, Gary Payton, the second came back and immediately got hurt again. Um, Brandon Pajemski, 28 minutes off the bench, it's something to monitor. Not because I think his his role is just going to go away, um, but Andrew Wiggins has been a little bit better lately. Trace Jackson Davis is getting a longer look, which again he's the he's the big news here. He needs to be added after that last ball game where he started, and you start him if he's starting. Chris Paul, they're sort of shoehorning back into a more feature role with guys hurt and. I guess the biggest thing for me on Pajemski, who, again, I think is a very much a hold right now because one slightly slower ball game is not reason to go full panic mode, but will he ever hit the... Um, will he ever hit the... I don't call it the rookie wall, I guess, is the sort of nomenclature for up. Will he ever kind of run out of gas? Because a lot of what he does is that high energy crashing into people, rebounding, passing, defense stuff, and even the guys that have been in the league a long time eventually get hurt or tired doing that, like the Josh Harts, the Pat Beverleys, those types. If that's, who, if, if that's what Pajemski's going to be, which, by the way, is excellent, but those types of guys, they end up battered and bruised, and it's a hard to go six months like that. Do I think that's going to happen tomorrow, the next day? I don't know. The hell do I know? We're just sort of trying to read the, the ebb and flow of the long season. So hold for now. Keep an eye on it. But no adjustments there. And then as the Magic go, you're holding Jalen Suggs. At some point, he's going to fully get his legs back underneath him. Um, He's in a little bit of a funk right now, but I think he'll be fine. Golga Batadze started, played 26 minutes in this one. He was good. But they have three centers that they're all trying to give minutes to. Batadze got 26. Mo Wagner, 15. Wendell Carter Jr., 20. They're playing some of those guys together at times. The Magic have what we can deem sort of a good problem. Like, it's not like they have too many great centers. They have too many adequate centers, and not one of them is good enough to supplant the others. Best thing for the Magic would be to see if they could go get something for, like, a Mo Wagner on the trade market or a Batadze. I feel like a team like, I don't know, the freaking Lakers would love to have Mo Wagner to go uh, foul somebody hard and hit a three-pointer and rebound kind of thing because, like, Jackson A's ain't doing it, and Christian Wood is sort of what all the coaches knew he was. (laughs) That was the difference of fantasy stats versus what is actually happening on a basketball court. I mean, maybe they'd... And then there are other teams. I shouldn't say it's the Lakers. I just happen to watch them a lot. There are other teams out there that could use a floor-spacing, kind of angry big man. I don't know if the Magic would split up the Wagners, though, so maybe Batadze's the guy that they'd put out there and... Again, somebody could use him. They probably prefer to have him. He's freaking starting for him right now. What the hell am I talking about? Cole Anthony is in one of his funks. He's a stream while warm guy. He's uh, very much in that bucket, and then I see no reason to move him out of it. And finally, and this was the big surprise of the night Charlotte defeated Sacramento. 111 101. That's a big oopsies. Kings will be fine. They're 19 and 13, but this one was supposed to be a tap in. Just tap it in. Just tap it in. And they went out there and they shot the ball poorly and they turned it over 20 some odd times or whatever it was the bonus had 11 turnovers uh i call that the stackhouse triple double by the way 23 points 18 boards 11 giveaways because uh old stack used to do that sometimes back in the early 2000s me and my college roommates used to have a good chuckle about the stackhouse triple dub sorry jerry you're a very good basketball player this is not meant to pick on you but you did have some of those uh Terry Rozier giant ball game basically he again anytime you can try to sell high on him you do it I love Terry Rozier I I love his fantasy game but we also need to be pragmatic about the fact that at some point lamella ball is going to resurface Gordon Hayward might also not that it really matters all that much Brandon Miller will also so it's just not going to be this wide open of a run forever Miles Bridges is a start, of course. P.J. Washington is a start. He only played 24 minutes off the bench, but who cares? With all these guys hurt, he just runs in there and takes all the shots he can find. And then Cody Martin is sort of your fringy one. Nick Richards still filling in for Mark Williams, who's been doubtful for an entire month and still hasn't played. Ridiculous. Kevin Herter got benched for the Kings. Chris Duarte started at shooting guard. He was, I think I would argue, a better facilitator. And so maybe that's a thing that gets tried again. The Kings bench got smashed in this ball game. Starters were sort of like break even for the most part. Bench got smashed. Malik Monk and and Coach Brown had a little bit of a war of words on the bench, so Malik's minutes got trimmed. We'll see if that wakes him up in the next one or if it puts him deeper into a doghouse. You gotta hold on Monk for now. And then for Duarte, I'm not racing out to pick him up because like, his game doesn't translate all that great to fantasy, but if he's really going to be out there and they're like, look, your job is to rebound, pass, steal, and hit threes, then maybe there's an outside way to sort of circle into fantasy value. I, I just I'd need to see it to believe it. And that was yesterday's stuff. A mid-show reminder, everybody, to check out our friends over at Manscaped.com. Use promo code ETHOS20 to get 20% off your order. We're getting all these really nice, positive reviews from the folks in the YouTube chat room that have been buying the Manscaped stuff, and they're like, this thing is amazing. I forget who said it yesterday, and I apologize for forgetting the uh, the poster who said they bought a lawnmower two years ago. That was like the first or second year of the Manscaped partnership, and he's never had to get another one. And that's the problem with our Manscaped partnership. I need new people to go get stuff over there because folks that have already bought things at Manscaped, they don't need to get another one. The problem with having a good product is folks don't need to buy it a second time. It's why Apple has to change the freaking charger on all their crap. Why? Because otherwise we'd just use the same charger for 20 straight years. That's not true. They need to. They put out new phones every year and a half. Uh, so yeah, go new folks. Go check out Manscaped.com. Promo code again is Ethos20 over there. And hey, take a second here mid-show to, to make sure you like... Rate, subscribe, all that good stuff, no matter you're taking in the pod. Uh, and whatever you can do on social as well, whatever you can do to help spread the word, we really do appreciate that. As far as tonight is concerned, uh, certainly a few things to keep an eye on. It's a rather busy busy evening. What are we at, 13? Is this Is a 13 gamer? I'll count it live on air. I got no shame. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Only 12. Oh, that's small potatoes. He says with his tongue firmly, "I'm a shake." Let's talk about what we're looking for for the Wizards. Is Denny Avdia heating up? Because he's uh kind of in that stream while warm zone. He's been better lately. Started the year well, faded hard. Now he's come on a bit last week, week and a half or so. For the Cavs, I've been watching Max Struess because he is in a brutal field goal funk right now. Thirty-two percent for a month. That's rough. The good news is, it's pretty easy to fix it. Just goes on a decent field goal stretch, and here we go. Anywho, uh, Malik Beasley, so I'm watching on the Bucks. If he's really just three-pointers and the steals and boards and assists and all that stuff that he was getting early in the year, if those are actually drying up, then he would be a, a guy that moves back into just sort of stream zone. he healed off the bench. Eh, kind of a blech these days. I'm going to hold a little bit longer, see how that goes. Brooklyn is a team where it feels like something's going to pop. We just kind of want to be ready when it does. Pelicans, we've talked about. the herb with and without Trey Murphy. Almost called him Trey Jones. My bad. Uh, Raptors. This is a team to actually keep a close watch on. What's IQ going to do? That's Emmanuel quickly. RJ Barrett. Again, Canada's prodigal son. He returns to play for his... Uh, home nation team and then trent jr does he actually still have a role off the bench we'll kind of see about that grizzlies marcus smarts the guy we talked about him blazers anthony simons has been out with a respiratory bug last week we'll see if he gets back in for this one for the mavs now we got Kyrie and luca back together um do any of the wings remain playable now that the usage guys are in The Bulls, uh, we got a bunch of game-time decision type of dudes, so uh, let's keep an eye on that one. Andre Drummond, obviously, as well. For the Knicks, Hart and DiVincenzo are the guys I'm watching there. For the Jazz, I mean, things are weird with Utah, man. Who the hell plays for that team on a night-to-night basis? So that's another one where you're just sort of watching to see what happens every day. Uh, John Collins seems lately like he can be disposed of. Walker Kessler sort of like in and out of the starting lineup, but he's been good either way. Um, Jordan Clarkson had a triple-double, so then he becomes a sell-high. Does Colin Sexton fall off a cliff here? There's a lot going on with this team, Utah. Miami comes down to who's in and who's out, so that's a health one. Lakers got to figure some stuff out. Rui Hachimura is out. D'Angelo Russell's doubtful. I would assume that means more Max Christie, but I don't think that matters for fantasy. Probably enough Torian Prince to let him fly. Orlando on the back-to-back in Sacramento. This should be a tough travel game for them from Golden State. It's a drive, but still kind of a tough one. Kings, I'm sure, are going to be pissed after yesterday's loss to the Charlotte Hornets. But you're watching Duarte there for Orlando. You can keep an eye on Suggs, the center situation. That's kind of the stuff for this evening. As I mentioned, folks, we're trying to keep this one a little bit on the shorter side because um, my children are, like, extraordinarily ill two rooms over and I am going to throw on a hazmat suit and go see if uh, anybody needs anything in the other room here Um, if you got a question apologies to the folks that did put stuff in the chat room I, I appreciate you guys if you can help each other on these shows that's also great Um, or throw it in the comments tab and uh and I'll try to take a look at that one question here that's not fantasy baby stay flow says hey Dan in your opinion what is the MVP race looking like uh, right now, it's probably Embiid on the repeat, but Shea is probably your number two. Thunder twenty three and nine, second seed in the West, behind the Timberwolves, who have uh, too many good players for any one of them to be the MVP. Obviously, Jokic is going to be up there every year, um, but I feel like, and for, you know, fair or not, I think people are bored of Jokic being this amazing. And they want to see if somebody else can make some headway. And right now, Shea has absolutely made that headway. He and Embiid are duking it out. I don't think anybody else is really all that close, frankly. I mean, you want to look at the Bucs and Celtics who have better records. Could you go Tatum? Probably not. They have too many great players. Bucks. you could look at Giannis. He's been very, very good this year. Uh, 31 points, 11 rebounds, but kind of quietly awesome. I don't know why nobody thinks the Bucks are any good. They're 24-9. and 9. But to me, it's Embiid and it's Shea, and I don't have the odds of that in front of me, but if you want to throw a half shekel on each of them, feels like one of them probably comes up with uh, with your winner. So again, if you got a question, throw it in the comments tab. That, again, goes for everybody. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, Spotify, whatever service you use to pull the pod down, you can still navigate over to our YouTube page and throw a comment on something. Best way to get a hold of me these days is that, because ultimately, might be later on in the day or the next day or whatever, I will see those. Um, It won't be hyper-fast, but with Twitter, I miss notifications all the time. They're just, like, flying past me at this ridiculous rate, Uh, which is cool. I like being, like, popular over there, but I can't. I can't keep track of it, especially not with hell happening elsewhere in my house. Even harder. I am Dan Bespris. We're wrapping it up early today. Shorter show at Dan Bespris on social. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. Fantasy NBA Today, the name of the program. Hoping to be back with you guys later today with a little 20-25-minute by-low show. Stay tuned for that. Good reason to hit the subscribe button uh, or follow on social, because I'll post it over there as well. Have a good middle of the day, and I hopefully will talk to you soon. So long for now.